When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We have moved seamlessly into yet another month, but the outlook isn't getting any better for us hard-working taxpayers. It might not be a particularly happy St David's Day for you, but it definitely is one for the 650 MPs currently attached to the House of Commons. Yesterday, they voted themselves a £2,000 pay rise, even as their own staffs are actually facing cutbacks. The latest increase means their pay has risen by around 21% to £79,468 in the past six years. But the does not stop there. Cabinet ministers will be raking in an extra four grand to top up their salaries of over £140,000. And given what is currently happening inside the Palace of Westminster, I would have to say this is an absolute outrage. MPs are supposed to be the servants of the people, uh, but an awful lot of them are too busy carrying out the will of their own agenda to serve those of us who pay for their existence. This morning, Chris Grayling and David Lammy are the big names in the news for two very different reasons. Between them, they are costing the public purse something approaching half a million pounds in wages and expenses. Isn't it time we got a little bit more value for money? 0344 499 1000. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll be finding out just how good or bad marijuana can be for you. And we'll be hearing from parents who can't get their kids into the right school. Some of them having to move thousands of miles uh, just to find a place to put them. Plus, it's Friday, so there'll be another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards, an homage to my brilliance in broadcasting this week. I'm hoping to win quite a few of them. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, it will come as no surprise to you that I'm having to go at the MPs this morning because you would expect me to do so. What I am going to say, however, is there are some MPs who do a good job. There are some MPs uh, who work tirelessly for their constituents and there are many of them uh, who are worthy of true and uh, a good praise. However, there's not enough of them, I'm afraid, and there's more than enough of those creepy, crawly ones, the ones who slither about uh, trying to claim for things like, you know, duck houses and moats and all sorts of ridiculous pieces of uh, uh, expense material travelling from one part of the Britain to another uh, when they could have done it in a much cheaper way. It's not a perfect system and it will never be a perfect system. But all I'm asking is, one, can we get value for money from MPs? And two, can we at least get them in this Brexit situation that we are in? Get them to do what they're supposed to do, i.e. the will of the people. We're going to talk now to a former MP, uh, Mr George Galloway, whose show, the mother of all talk shows, is on tonight right here on Talk Radio at 7pm. George, a very good morning to you. Good morning. I don't know why you need me. You couldn't make a more eloquent uh, case than you have just done. Well, George, uh, this would be this would be an outrage at any time, but at this time, it's enough to get the pitchforks. Well, out, I must tell you. Well, exactly. I mean, their their timing has never been brilliant, and they will always say, rather with an innocent look on their face, "Well, it's nothing to do with us. It's all to do with this committee that comes up with these recommendations." Well, surely to God, if they thought the timing was bad. They could have a word with the committee and say, maybe this is not the time to do it, George. Well, let's deconstruct it. Yeah. The, the, the quantum of the increase is absurd mm. in a situation where their, their own staff, their own civil service, 
public sector workers, millions of them throughout the land, are being starved of necessary, desperately necessary wage increases by the people who are just about to get double what everybody else is getting. I mean, if you just state it as boldly as that, it is an outrage. It really is. And when you do, as you just did, uh, count up over the last six years, it's 30% of a wage increase, nearly a third of their already high wages in just six years. And in that six years, virtually nobody else in the land, including V and me, have had any wage increase at all. Of course. It is is rubbing people's nose in it. And And I've frankly never seen anything like it. No, I know. Because there was a time, George, I mean, probably even going back to when you were an MP and before that, that, you know, there was a reasonable uh, pay for a reasonable day's work uh, in in, in Westminster and nobody objected to it in the way that we do now because it didn't seem like a a rip-off. However, now, you know, when these guys are making approximately £80,000, not not one of them, not a scintilla uh, of shame do they have, not one of them thinks that's a good wage because they then claim a further £50,000 to £100,000 on an expense Yes, quite so. And uh, most of them, I mean, I've said all along, we have twice as many MPs as we need. And that makes the burden of this issue very much uh, greater. If we drastically reduce the number of MPs, I say half uh, the MPs, and you wouldn't miss, I promise you, the half of the House of Commons that would then go missing, because most people in the land have never heard of the vast majority of individual members of parliament. Now, if we properly resourced the remaining half, uh, then that would be fine and it would improve the governance of this country. But I want to uh, touch on what you alluded to uh, very sharply there. Mm. This is a parliament that is busy, uh, apparently to the exclusion of almost everything else, trying to betray the decision that they gave the British people to make. Mm. So actually they're spending almost all of their time trying to undo or truss up uh, the entire Brexit process. It seems to me they do virtually nothing else now in the House of Commons. So ponder this. The public that is being betrayed is being asked to pay record amounts of money to the people betraying them. Well, we have a word for that where I come from, and it's called being rinsed. And I don't feel like I want to be rinsed anymore, but I don't know who to go to complain to about. Well, that's what I I mentioned jokingly, I quickly add, for anyone listening, uh, is uh, that this is a pitchforks moment. I, I actually think the anger in the country at the political class has never been higher. They're utterly obsessed by things uh, which affect, at most, a very small number of people, exceedingly small. They speak of nothing else. They they do nothing else except betray Brexit or work out weird and wonderful ways to betray it, all the while filling their boots with not just record wages, but record expenses, uh, and so on. And and they're all mediocrities. You know, when I was in Parliament at first in 1987, uh, there, there were a hundred uh, national figures in the land uh, that were in the House of Commons. Mm. How many could you count now? You could count them on two hands. So we've got an ever more dwarfish political class filling ever bigger boots with money uh, whilst conspiring actively in real time right in front of your eyes to betray the people that sent them there. Yes. Well, just to highlight the two names that I mentioned earlier, only because I'm not picking on anybody, it just so happens that they're in the news. Let's start off with Chris Grayling. He's in the news this morning uh, because it was his responsibility to bring partial privatisation to the probation service. It will come as no surprise to you, George, that once again Mr Failing Grayling uh, has completely cocked it up and the probation service is now in worse shape than it's ever been. He should be in behind bars. <laughs> I mean, never mind probation. He yeah. should be behind bars. <laughs> I mean, the, the idea that a guy who has failed so miraculously, brilliantly every single time he has done anything, and that yet yeah. he still pulls in 140-odd thousand quid a year, his personal pay rise from this will be four grand. 
unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, this, this is the—he's the Inspector Clouseau of uh, <laughs> British cabinet politics. He's the man that gave, uh, expended hundreds of thousands of pounds to a company uh, that was going to be providing ferries, but didn't have any ships, right? And could never have gotten the ships, and and planned to operate from a harbour that can't take any ships. And this on top of the serial failures that he's been involved in. I mean, and we're paying him extra money. I mean, he should be paying us. Uh, absolutely. For, uh, well, I mean, I'd, uh, I'd be willing to pay him a quarter of a million a year just to stay out of it, to be honest. <laughs> you know, that might be yeah. that might be a better use of our money. And David Lammy, now bizarrely, you might come. This might come as a surprise. I actually agree with some of the things he's saying about comic relief because I find comic relief to be a hideous kind of mask of virtue signalling, which I'm sure does some good, but not not anywhere near as much as they think. Um, but David Lammy, a man uh, who, as far as I'm understanding it, uh, uh, pulls in you know something approaching eighty thousand a year, but charges around about over one hundred and fifty thousand, one hundred seventy thousand for expenses in any given year. Now, he represents his, his constituency, Tottenham. Um, you may be a fan of his, I don't know. But it's an awful lot of money, George. I'm as far from being a fan of his as you could possibly imagine. <laughs> uh, and I think that his uh, statement, whilst, of course, as uh, much propaganda does, uh, have, have a kernel of truth, is gratuitously offensive to millions of people who believe they're doing a good thing mm. uh, and who happen to be white. Uh, and that includes the people that are giving their time in order to help raise this money. Right. It was a gross, grotesque. Uh, I just put the boot on the other foot. If a white member of parliament had made statements as offensive to black people or any other minority in this country... They wouldn't still be in Parliament. They'd already be suspended. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But, I mean, the problem is, George, as well, that there was a time, and, I, and I'm not one of those who says that we should pay uh, politicians more in order they don't have work outside. I would, I'd, I'd like to encourage MPs to have work outside because it keeps them in touch with the real world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when I was an MP and working on talk sport, uh, I, unlike the vast majority of MPs, was talking to hundreds of thousands of people uh, every show yes. and getting a feedback from hundreds, often thousands of people mm. in texts, emails, no tweets then, but uh, calls and so on. Yeah, uh, the problem is MPs are not in the world. They live in a bubble, they work in a bubble, they socialise in a bubble, and therefore you get bubbles yeah. out of them. Well, this Not is why I think most of them... Who, bubbles. This is why, to go back to Brexit, this is why most of them, I think, are under the impression, the misconception, totally. um, that everybody in this country wants to stay in the European Union because they all think it's totally. great. Well, I'm afraid totally. they completely couldn't be more wrong. Exactly. And, and if you spend your time in a bubble where everyone reinforces each other's mm. innate prejudice, what else are you going to uh, spout but bubbles? Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what's going on here now. These people, uh, I mean, I just listened to a guy. I cannot stand, and he cannot stand me, John Mann. Mm. Uh, and he was absolutely correct. People who work and live in that bubble have absolutely no idea what people think about this betrayal of Brexit that's going on out there in the country where 17.4 million people voted for Brexit. They think every that 17.4 million have all changed their minds. Yeah. They think that 17.4 million are begging them to find a way of wrecking that which they voted for. Nothing could be further from the truth. And you've only got to be out there in the world, in the real country that we live in, to know that. Um, and the vast majority of people in this country just want Brexit over with. They want it done. They voted for it already. It should have been done yes. already. And one of the things that I, I've been talking about this week is that government report which came out day before yesterday in which it revealed that less than a fifth of companies are preparing for a no-deal Brexit and they're very concerned that people don't seem to be too bothered about a no-deal Brexit coming. Well, guess what? That's because they're not bothered. They don't care. Exactly. You know, the exactly. reason it's not because we're going to get this terrible shock. It's because we're not concerned that we don't buy the project fear nonsense. 
Exactly. Instead of using the last two and a half years to provide a vision for people of what Britain can be once we've slipped our moorings from this fading, failing project called the EU, instead of articulating a vision, first of all, thinking one up, then articulating it, then preparing for it, Mm. our political class has spent the last two and a half years working out how they could wreck the thing which people had voted for. And it's unforgivable. And I hope the British people don't forgive it. No, I don't think they will. But just to finish up, I'm sure you'll be addressing much of this tonight on your yes. show uh, right yeah, here on Talk Radio. But work. your heart must have been singing this morning from with the news from uh, the TIG group that Chucky Amuna has emerged as their spokesman. I mean, what sort of yes. political message is that sending? The only, <laughs> the only additional thing I wish for is that Mr Blair comes out from behind the curtain... Mm and holds Chuka's hand and has a joint leadership, a bit like Cameron and Clegg. Yes. Blair and Chuka. Uh, that is <laughs> the imprimatur of political demise. It is. Now, you've sent out a very interesting tweet the other night, which I retweeted, in which you said that the apology that Chris Williamson was forced to make and the fact that he was suspended from the Labour Party meant the end of Jeremy Corbyn. Is that right? I think so. Uh, if uh, if if he doesn't act in the next hours, days, not not weeks, mm. uh, against what is effectively a coup uh, going on inside the parliamentary Labour Party, I think he's finished. I think that uh, Tom Watson is today the de facto leader of the Labour Party. In which case, some scrutiny and questioning of Mr. Tom Watson yes. is in order. Mm. For example. Why did the son of the British fascist leader, Sir Oswald Mosley, in this case, Mr. Max Mosley, why did he give half a million pounds directly to Tom Watson? Mm. Who's auditing that money? What has it been spent on? Where's the transparency? How do we know it wasn't all spent on slimming pills? Well, indeed, that's a very very good point and very well made. And uh, and Fred Perry's shirts. I mean, I'm very disturbed by the look that Tom Watson has adopted, more disturbed as well by the fact that he, as an MP, a public servant, blocks me on Twitter for asking him that very question, what he did with the money. And they shouldn't be allowed to do that, these MPs. They work for me, I pay their bloody wages, and they should answer me. And their wages are onwards and upwards. The wages of <laughs> sin, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> the wages of sin, George. Listen, thank you very much indeed. George Galloway, the mother of all talk shows, tonight from 7 o'clock, right here on Talk Radio. You don't want to miss that. It is a brilliant show, uh, as indeed is this one. You can join this one if you wish, 0344 499 1000. What on earth gives these MPs the right uh, to just ignore us as the taxpayers, as their paymasters, and as the people to whom they are supposed to do our bidding? It's an absolute shambles of a situation. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I don't know who reads Tatler magazine these days, but I'll tell you what, James Max is a man uh, who knows a great deal about how posh people live, how they should live, uh, how they do live, and he even advises them sometimes from the pages of the Financial Times. James, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Now, you were obviously the go-to man. As soon as we saw the words Tatler, etiquette and social media, I thought, well, James Max has got to be the guy to ask these questions of. Well, to be fair, Tatler and Country Life are porn for rich people, so yes, <laughs> that's the place to start. Yes, absolutely right. I'm amazed in a way that they're still going, but, you know, other than in doctor's surgeries, I've never really seen a copy of Tatler or Country Life, but, I mean, I dare say your home is stacked with them, is it? Uh, certainly with Country Life, it's a marvellous magazine, one to be recommended. OK. Now, what do you make of this Tatler... I mean, it's slightly tongue-in-cheek, this uh, advice, isn't it, this Tatler social etiquette scenario? It is, but then as soon as I started reading it, uh, every sinew in my body wanted to start off by saying, this is ridiculous, how dare we be told how to do these things, right. this is awful. And then I started to read them and I thought, hang on a second, maybe they've got a point. I don't think we've ever quite learnt how to use social and digital media. And so, for example, when they say things like, if you are going to take pictures of people, it's fine to post uh, pictures outside people's homes onto social media, mm. but it's not right to post them on social media inside their homes without their permission. I actually think that it's not right to post people's pictures uh, on social media without at least asking them or indicating no. that this is what you're going to do. So things like that are actually making quite good sense. Sure. I mean, funnily enough, we were speaking only yesterday to one of these Instagrammer people who uh, keeps going to places like Notting Hill and taking pictures of themselves outside those very famous kind of, you know, colourful front doors uh, on the street that was filmed as part of the movie Notting Hill because the, re- the re- local residents are getting all up in arms about it and getting quite fed up. And that, I mean, that is obviously not, in, in, that's not involving people that we know, but that's also rather poor form, isn't it? I think it's pretty poor form if you start to intrude in people's lives. And this is the point about social and digital media, is that they are intruding in people's lives. So think about it. One of the advice pieces here is about when you're organising a party. And they say, don't use a WhatsApp group Mm. to organise a party. If you're going to do a WhatsApp group, say, for example, you know, I have a few of them, you ask the people before you set up the group, would you like to be Mm. part of it? As opposed to, oh, here's a party, I'm just going to invite everybody onto it, and then do it. And then they start to receive all the banter and the things, and then they look rude if they've left it and the whole thing, it's not acceptable. You've got to work out what the rules are. Yeah. Don't upset people unnecessarily. So so the first rule of WhatsApp is that if you are going to set up a group, don't invite people or don't add people unless you've sort of asked them first if they want to be part of it. And if you don't like being in one, you shouldn't just leave. Uh, exactly. Well, I think you can leave if it gets really... I mean, for example, I have left one on one occasion where... Uh, it was just all getting a little bit bawdy, and I did send a message. I said, um, look, terribly sorry, I, and I didn't do it unannounced. I said, um, look, this has all got a bit bawdy. I don't think this is quite what yeah. this is meant, meant for. So if you want to contact me, please do, or set up a separate group to discuss this, but this one's not for me. Also, so I've, I, did I... Actually, I, I did actually sort of go up front, put my head above the parapet, yeah. because they were just sending all sorts of nonsense on there, and it was just horrific. And was the reaction to that acceptable? Did people shun you for the rest of time, or was it all right? No, I think uh, most of the people that sent me messages after saying, oh, thank God somebody did that. There was <laughs> you know, one or two people on there who were just getting bored with it, and everybody else was set up, so we set our group without the two, right. the two individuals. Well, it's very funny, because I really didn't know much about WhatsApp until I would say probably relatively recently, the last couple of years or something, where work uh, would be setting up uh, WhatsApp groups, because I would have different people to work with on different days, and it started to get a bit complex when some people were in one group, other people were in another. There were so many groups, I was like, this is getting ridiculous. You know that six different groups for one show. Well, the thing is that WhatsApp has not get, now got completely out of control. So, yeah. for example, I do have family groups, and then there are some people who, one of my brothers, I've got three of them, mm. one of them just refuses to go onto WhatsApp. Yeah. And I don't understand why not. He's happy on everything else, because he said, well, I haven't got time. And you just think, actually, sometimes when you need to get some information out there, as long as it's used carefully, yeah. think, you know, I think one of the great pieces of um, advice about these etiquette things is, 
just think about the other person when you're doing something. Yeah. Think how you feel or would feel, you know, if you said something a little bit, you know, untoward or what you're doing here yeah. or the picture there. This is about messaging and trying to not create more problems for ourselves right. than otherwise. It's not about being pompous or snotty or looking down your nose at no. people or you know, any of that. This is about how do we live in a modern age where we do have all this technology. It can be brilliant, but actually it can be a bit upsetting. It can be a bit um, in your face. It can uh, traumatise people. Yeah. Uh, if you well, like, and also, like many things, it's an extension of your personality, isn't it? Because, you know, there are people who boast on social media, whether it's on Twitter uh, or on WhatsApp or on Facebook. You know, they like to push, pu publish pictures of themselves doing something that they think is cool. But actually, when you're looking at it, you think, I mean, that's a bit naff, actually. Well, it is. And I think it's also causing a lot of social problems within society. So, look, mm. Twitter, we all know that, I mean, say, for example, if you're in a job like yours or mine, then, look, let's, let's go to, uh, let's go to um, get involved in something. And we go onto Twitter, we have a row. Yeah. You know, it, it's expected, it's part of the deal. We might get monstered for saying something. That's OK. It's part of our job. What is not part of our job, though, is when other people are brought into it. Yeah. And also, when it comes to the social media, and particularly Instagram, I don't, I have an Instagram account. I don't use it very much because I, I find this whole, oh, look at me, look at my amazing life and all yeah. this sort of stuff is just a bit much, and I don't have a six-pack. Uh, sadly, I've got a keg. Uh, but people so would be very jealous if they... People would be very jealous, James, if they saw what you got up to in your private life, wouldn't they? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure they would. Uh, I, you know, running, running tennis clubs and sorting out things. I mean, look, sometimes I do some amazing things and, you know, it, it's, it's fun, but then... You know, most of that is attached to my public roles sure. in life, you know, being on a committee or, or, or being involved in, a, mm. in an artistic venue or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I do get to do some fun stuff, but I don't want to ram it down people's throats. And I think this is the same thing. You don't go into a party or a room and start boasting. You don't, um, you know, if you go around to somebody's house uh, for dinner or for a drink or you go out for dinner with them, you do send them a message to say thank you very much indeed if somebody hosted you. You know, just these things are basic manners. Uh, treating people how you would like to be treated. Mm. A simple thing, there was a, a report actually this week about um, talking about money and what people are paid. And, and they said, look, one of the most important things as an employer or an employee is actually the thanks that people give to each other mm. as opposed to the money. So say, for example, somebody says to you, Mike, you know, here's all the money in the world, you know, boom, and they don't even talk to you about your show. You'd probably prefer to be paid maybe a little bit less mm. and have somebody say, actually, I really like it. Thank you. It mm. makes such a difference. Well, it depends on the amount, I suppose, technically speaking. But, I mean, <laughs> but... I, I mean just, just to carry on with the WhatsApp thing, I'm like, my 12-year-old son, who's the diva of the family, uh, was put in a WhatsApp group by his mother uh, when we were all away somewhere. He actually left it without telling anyone because he, he just didn't want to be in it, which was very funny, I thought. But it says here, you may post pictures of other people's pets, but not of their children. That's a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, I don't even publish pictures of my own children. Um, well, I think it is a no-brainer, but some people think that it's either funny or appropriate or whatever to post things without asking. Mm. Um, I have actually got in trouble for posting a picture of a friend of mine's pet. Really? Um, well, it was doing something unfortunate in the uh, in the sea, <laughs> and uh, they didn't really want their pet to be represented in this way to no. this group. But no, I, I, I'm, I said, I'm sorry. Mm. That was done in public. And if you have trained your pet, or if he can't be trained and, and he's going to defecate in the sea, well, I'm terribly sorry. We're going to have to have evidence. <laughs> Absolutely right. And I bet they'll be trying not to do it again. What about this one? Never post a picture of an invitation unless you want it to be rescinded. Um, well, yeah, exactly. Look, I think that, you know, if you're going to post these things and you're going to be really public about it, then um, people are going to react in a slightly strange way. And if you want to send an invitation, then I think what people want to do is they want to receive an individual invitation themselves. And this is about how do you make, say, for example, you are having a, a special birthday for a 40th, a 50th, a wedding or something where you have to invite a lot of people. Mm. These things are really political anyway. Don't make it any more political than it has to be by posting something, getting people involved in a group, doing something. You are opening somebody to feel a little bit left out, a little bit um, under pressure, a little bit, um, you know, in some shape or form, unfortunately, uncomfortable. Mm. Whatever it is, you're making things worse. And this is about or why etiquette is there. Etiquette is not there about, um, you know, so how to behave in a certain way that you can be, um, you know, uh, classist or 
uh, in some way superior. This is actually about how do you make the people that you interact with in everyday life feel more comfortable. Mm. And one final one, James, um, because I know you're, you're uh, pressed for time. Never ever ask your guests to take off their shoes. It's not a, uh, a social media one. It's a kind of general overarching principle. I'm, I'm puzzled by that because, you know, there are lots of people that ask you to take off your shoes when you go into their house. I was slightly puzzled by that, but actually it should be about you, the guest, because mm. I think that you, the guest, when you arrive at somebody's home, should ask, would you like me yes. to remove your shoes? Yeah, I go with that. So I don't want to be... I, I guess where it is is it's actually trying to say, and they didn't put the second half of it, which is you, the guest, need to be more aware of your surroundings. Mm. And if you're not uh, bright enough or able to see that somebody's got a new floor, some new carpet or something, and you should be taking off your shoes and offering, then... And, and I always, I have to say, when I arrive at somebody's house, you know, would you like me to take off my shoes or whatever? Always ask. It's just polite. Yes. No, I think that's very good advice. James, you're back on Monday morning, I take it? I am. I'm already poised like a gazelle. <laughs> Excellent. James Max, uh, talk radio presenter. He'll be back at five on Monday morning, of course, for the early breakfast show at uh, former investment bank. A man who knows all there is to know about etiquette as well. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on talk radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator the independent republic of mike graham stand to attention when i'm talking to you on talk radio Dismiss! good morning welcome to the independent republic of mike graham right here on talk radio it is saint david's day of course and if you have an ounce of welsh blood in you then you'll be more than happy to celebrate it and if you're an mp you'll be even happier to celebrate it now that you're getting a 2.7 percent pay rise uh, which is going to give you approximately two grand to three grand extra a year uh, on top of your very very generous salary already uh, getting up to nearly eighty thousand pounds a year plus as much as you like in expenses some people claiming up to 175,000 pounds david lammy being one of them of course Lots, lots more to come in this hour. We're going to talk a little bit about the Brexit fear factor uh, because guess what? This morning, there are stories doing the rounds that uh, supermarkets in this country are gearing up uh, to make sure that they're ready in case the looting starts after the no-deal Brexit breaks the country's heart and spirit. What an absolute load of old cobblers. I've never heard anything more ridiculous in my life. How on earth do you plan to stop people from looting? Usually, when people loot, it's because there's a riot going on in the street, the police have lost control of it, and there are fires going on everywhere. People start putting their feet through shop windows and taking televisions. You can't really stop that, can you? 0344 499 Apart from the fact that it ain't going to happen anyway. Coming up a little bit later on, it's the Perrier's. It is Friday, of course, uh, an homage to my brilliance in broadcasting. I'm expecting to win uh, three or four of them this week. Uh, you're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. And coming up a little bit later on in this hour, we'll be finding out why uh, immigration from the European Union is at its lowest for about 10 years, although apparently it's at one of its highest points uh, of net migration from outside the European Union. First of all, though, uh, let's talk about some of the more ridiculous stories that we've seen over the course of the last few weeks from Project Fear, Mark 94, where people have said, well, of course, you won't be able to fly, you won't be able to drive, you won't be able to go over to uh, the continent with your car without filling out a million forms. You won't be able to travel there at all uh, without getting some kind of visa. And of course, there won't be any food. You won't be able to eat anything here apart from chlorinated chicken from America. Let's talk to Andre Walker. Uh, more often than not, the voice of reason on these things. Andre, very good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I'm a bit worried about the looting, though, because apparently uh, supermarket chains up and down the land are concerned that there might be looting. And so they're taking steps to avoid it. I'm not quite sure what that could be. Well, I'll tell you what I'd suggest, fixed payment charges. Mm. Um, frankly, I mean, the idea... That, uh, by the way, I will say one thing. Remember, the pro-Europeans are saying, well, of course, we won't be looting. We're all very civilised. Of course. It's all these nasty Brexiteers that'll be looting. I mean, it's just complete and total nonsense. Mm. The idea that basic social order will break down when we leave the European Union is just crazy. I mean, remember, these, um, if you pick up your average, I don't know, chicken balti from, from Asda. You know, it has hundreds of ingredients in from all across the globe. Right. The idea that you won't, that these supermarkets will be incapable of in- 
importing things after we leave the European Union. It's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, can I just say this? There is a rival station here where right now, in fact, every day you go head-to-head with a presenter who has literally broadcast that only 1,200 British lorries will be allowed into the European Union. Yes. No drugs will be able to be imported into the UK. Well, he's lost Plain- the plot. You know he's lost the plot, don't you? Totally. You know, he he suggested that civilian aviation will be abolished after we leave the European Union. Of course. I mean, what country in the world has become independent and then abolished civil aviation? (laughs) I'll give the example. I'll give the example of Kosovo, where Pristina Airport is still officially owned by Serbia, and still they managed to land stuff at it. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It really is. Do you think he might have done anything big like we did yesterday on the the Norway uh, Wealth Fund, which is uh, putting billions and billions of pounds into the British economy post-Brexit because they believe it's going to be a very fine place to invest. Well, what I always suggest that people do is make sure you've got your Google News alerts on despite Brexit, because it's absolutely hilarious when you see the, these sorts of moaning uh, leftists complaining about how, uh, you know, how, how sort of dismissing any success in this country. Although I will warn you of one thing, though. I've got a very good friend of mine who is who lives in Switzerland, and she went to an event the other day with a major British bank and what they did was they stood up and they were literally, you know, a tearing Brexit apart, talking the country down in front of international investors. Because, of course, if, if investment does decline, these people will be delighted because it will prove them right. Mm. But she got, she got her own back because she stuck her hand up and she said, given that your experts have been wrong on everything so far on Brexit, why should we listen to them now? <laughs> she said they, they virtually cried and banned her from the event. Well, this <laughs> latest piece of, uh, of nonsense comes from a market research company known as Kantar. K-A-N-T-A-R, who I've never heard of before. Uh, But they're basically in the business of warning us about all kinds of things, including the fact that apparently British shoppers are already adopting several recessionary behaviours. It said snacking levels are on the rise, healthy food purchases have plateaued, and more adults are taking lunch boxes to work. I mean, what is the point of any of this? So, so, So let's just be clear. The, the, the main impact of Brexit thus far is that people are eating more peanuts. Yes, that I mean, could be true. And they may, of course, be sourcing... They may be sourcing them from, uh, you know, more tra- traditionally domestic places rather than... In fact, I'm surprised they haven't got pork scratchings going up on the menu because, obviously, they're manufactured here. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we, we've, heard, we've heard all of this so many times. We always remember that by now... Um, George Osborne was predicting that we'd have lost, what, 800,000 jobs already yes. as a result of Brexit. And, and, you know, Mark Carney, the governor of the Bank of England, and remember, the Bank of England has always been fiercely independent and fiercely politically neutral. Of course. That man is yet to make a prediction that is accurate about Brexit. I mean, we were told there would already be a huge recession. Do you remember the punishment budget? Mm. Oh, yeah. Where they were going to have to raise taxes already. Now, what you do hear, our, our friend on the other station says, is, well, Brexit hasn't happened yet. That is absolutely correct. Mm. But you lot have predicted the recession would have happened by just voting for Brexit. Yeah. Similarly, the idea that there's going to be looting after Brexit, I mean, what are they expecting to happen? I think that these people are crazy enough to genuinely believe that food imports will cease after Brexit. Yeah. And if you believe that, congratulations, you're officially stupid. Well, according to Kantar, uh, they've done research on this, right? They say that measures taken by chains uh, of supermarkets include rejecting fewer wonky vegetables, testing which varieties of tomatoes, avocados and oranges last the longest, and quietly delisting certain imported foods from shelves to ensure availability. So next time you pop round uh, to your nearest supermarket, Andre, I want you to double-check to see... Whether there's any exotic foodstuffs that have disappeared because they're being stockpiled in the back room. Well, of course, of course, the other <laughs> thing, if those reports are true, is what it means is that the supermarkets are prepared uh, for, for any slight delays that may take place between Dover and Calais, right. so, which, would, which would mean there would be no point in attempting to loot shops. And also, of course, there is an obvious problem with looting. If the shops have got nothing in them, there's nothing to loot. So, I mean, I don't understand that. I don't understand how shortages encourage you to loot. No, but it's like I said, it's like I said at the top of the hour, I mean, you don't loot just as a matter of course. You don't just turn up and decide to loot a shop. You only normally do it in the midst of a massive civil uh, piece of unrest, like a riot, where, you know, the shops next door are burning down and you decide to take it upon yourself to run into that shop and, and from a run out with a TV or something. 
Well, I've got to say this too. My, my uncle was once done for rioting. He's dead now, so don't worry too much. But he was found not guilty because he ran up in the middle of a riot and picked up, you know, one of those barrows that they used to sell fruits? Oh, yeah. Ran along the high street in Liverpool and threw it. And uh, when he was up in front of the magistrate, they said, we could recognise Mr Ray because everybody else was wearing furry hooded parker jackets, whereas he was in a shirt and tie. And they said, <laughs> Mr Ray, what have you got to say? And he said, well, I didn't know it was fancy dress. <laughs> well, exactly right. Exactly right. Where are you? Where are you at the moment in your sort of uh, level of confidence that we are leaving the European Union on March the twenty ninth? I'm extremely worried. I mean, we, this is effectively like the rump parliament, isn't it? It's all of those people that, you know, don't believe in this country, hate Brexit, hate the will of the people. You see the MPs coming up on the television all the time saying, my constituents didn't vote for this. Well, yes, they did. Two-thirds of Labour MPs live in areas that voted leave. And, and, you know, we've redefined what Brexit is into this sort of, you know, pathetic, you know, kowtowing soup. And... Um, I, I, I think what they're, what they're desperate to do is what they're always desperate to do. Give Brussels a big load of money and keep being regulated by them. Hopefully, that's not going to happen. But, you know, I, I am genuinely worried about it. Um, they, I mean, they, they, want, they want us just to keep voting until we vote in. Yeah, That's well, I think that we are going to get past that, though, because we are not Ireland. You know, we are not a, a, a sort of a smaller portion of the European Union. We are quite a large portion of it. And I think despite my many criticisms of Theresa May, and I, I'm prepared, I'm sure, to have many more criticisms of her. Uh, actually, maybe she's, she's going about it the right way, because it seems to me that every part of the sort of surrounding atmosphere is, is beginning to soften to her idea of at least getting some kind of a deal. And I don't really care that much about what the deal is in the same way that many people, and you're probably one of them, don't care if we leave without a deal. I'd rather just get on with leaving. If it means we have a deal that we're not entirely happy with, that doesn't matter because you can work on it. Well, look, I think the one advantage you've got is this, that um, Theresa May recognises that there are no votes for the Conservative Party in dragging this out. And so, obviously, what she wants is it's over quickly. Now, if there are one or two teething problems with Brexit, equally, she wants them out of the way before the local elections, which are looming in May. And so, really, you want, you want to leave at the end of March to avoid the Conservatives getting a kicking in May. And right. um, equally... If you drag this out until June, you're obliged to elect members of the European Parliament. Now, I, I, you know, I said this to Julie Harley Brewer. You, you, me, and her have got to run, right? If there's, if there's, if there's a European Parliament that Britain's in for like two weeks or something, we're yeah. going to go along and have a little bit of fun doing it. <laughs> um, but obviously, that that would be a shambles, wouldn't it, to hold European elections? Um, you know, for, for us to only stay in the European Union mm. for a few more weeks. Um, although it has to be said. The SNP have selected their candidates. I'm sure they have. Well, well, the, well, the SNP like to cover all their bases, don't they? Because you never quite know what's going to go on with them. But the other thing is um, that uh, that I'm under the impression, and I don't remember where I heard this from, but from somebody in Europe who said that the the sort of the holding position would be that the British MEPs would simply continue on in their place, and there would not actually be European elections in Britain. Well, of course, that's not the legal position, but that doesn't matter with the European Union. The European Union is very keen on firm rules until they don't suit them, yeah. and then they just completely... Well, this is the same, well, it's the same as all the red lines that we've had in, in the Brexit conversation. I mean, every single thing that has been said to be absolutely and utterly immovable, unobstructable, cannot be changed, gets changed. Yeah, and, and the frustration is on the Irish backstop. I mean, this debate about whether there is a hard border in Ireland is between three groups, the UK, Ireland and the European Union, yeah. who were all agreed that they will not build a hard border. Right. So if the Irish won't build it and the British won't build it, even if it's necessary, who's going to do it? Right. I mean, you know, it's just it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. But I, think, I, I genuinely think that the big problem that we've got now is that the T-shirt... Has, has overplayed his hand. You know, fundamentally, uh, for, for, the, for the Irish to have no deal over this border backstop non-issue would be, would be crazy. Yeah. Um, but, but fundamentally, remember something that people are very quick to forget, two-thirds of exports from Northern Ireland are to GB, i.e. to the rest of the UK. Right. And so 
you know, just in order to save cross-border trade in Ireland, you can't destroy the rest of your economy by restricting it to the rest of the UK. No, you're absolutely right. Andre, thank you very much indeed. Andre Walker, a columnist at the New York Observer, making perfect sense uh, about these looting stories and all the other ridiculous shortages that we're getting told are going to happen once the European Union is no more a part of the British Isles. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.32, and it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. There's that new music again. Yeah, it's not that new anymore. It's time for Cornelius Mendez, uh, the (laughs) part-time producer of this show. Part-time? Yeah, well, you don't do it all the time, do you? No, that's true. Uh, I sometimes take holiday. Sometimes you take time off to do other things. Yeah, so do you. No, I take time off you... to do holidays. Yeah, okay. That's another Not thing. other projects. Well, I'm glad we're getting bogged down in this. Yes. Hello anyway. and welcome <laughs> back to another star-studded mm. edition of the Perry Awards. Every Friday we look back over the past week of the so-called Independent so-called. Republic of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moments. Mm. So let's not kick the can down the street any longer and begin. Let's do it. As is tradition, Mike, the first Perrier goes to you. It's for Explainer of the Week for clearly describing Susan in Exeter's metaphor. They're not listening. And the, management, listen. the management's no good either. No, this is where we're going wrong. I told you before last mm. year, Michael, we're pouring water into a bucket full of holes. Yes, true, yeah, very true. And you can't just keep pouring more and more water in because it's still going to disappear out of the holes. True. (laughs) Can't argue with that. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, Of course, uh, you haven't really mentioned this, Mike, but uh, last week you were away as you went to (laughs) California. Uh, Susan, though, was on hand to give you a very warm welcome back. In in fact, she wins the warmest welcome of Mm. the week. What do I know about these things? Let's talk to Susan, who's in Exeter. Hello, Susan. Morning, <laughs> she is great, isn't she? Yeah, well, however, you win the award uh, for the same thing, for, for want of a better phrase, peeing on Susan's chips. Oh, dear. Hello, Susan. Good morning, Michael. Lovely to talk to you. Very Thank nice. You I'm sorry to say it's, all, it's actually afternoon, I'm afraid, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was also true, though. Yeah, you never let those go. Yeah. Uh, however, Susan, ever the discipliner, uh, does win, uh, giving you warning of the week. Good morning, Michael. I'm so pleased that you're back. You Me know, the too. Other gentle- the other gentleman was very, very nice, but he hasn't got the panache. And you need, we need you to keep us <laughs> well, going. Do you know, we just need you. Very few people have got my panache, Susan, it has to be said. <laughs> well, yeah, but don't get too big-headed, because you can go off people, you know. <laughs> she hasn't called in today, so... <laughs> no, well, I must have worked, then. <laughs> yeah, um, regular caller and listener of the show, Daniel in Epson, mm. uh, wins Perrier for Fan of the Week. He clearly loves the show and knows every detail about it. You're basically then saying that the private system won't work as well either because you won't have as many doctors. Well, I I know a situation recently, well, a few years ago, Graham, where... Graham. Yeah. People do that. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, I think we all do it from time to time. You yeah. just say the wrong name. Yeah. You know? Daniel does listen a lot, though. You'd think he'd get it. I heard James Whale the other night, right, mm-hmm. called Ross Kempsell uh, something like Dave. <laughs> he's, uh, he's in the studio. He's, Thanks, Dave. Yeah, well, he has to get up early, so fair play to him. Uh, Mike, uh, you did actually mention California once or twice this week, and you think that would earn you the perrier for repeater of the week. However, you've been pipped at the post by Sarah Thornton from Weather Trending, Mm. who managed to beat your rate of repetition. Well, the, the pedant in me has to say a couple of things about polar vortexes. And um, there's the polar vortex, and then there's the polar vortex. <laughs> so in America, they really have picked up on this idea of a polar vortex, which is kind of lower down in the atmosphere than the true polar vortex, which is trapped above uh, the actual North Pole. That's five or six, isn't it? That's yeah. good. That is very good. Um, uh, you mentioned him just now, Ross Kempsels, everybody's favourite talk radio's political editor. Yeah. Uh, now, there is a man who is a big fan of an acronym, MPs, PMQs, TIG. Yeah. That's obviously the TIG group. Um, anyway, he wins the perrier for most pointless acronym. Mm. Well, let's talk about those amendments. Uh, we're, we're nowhere in the sense that we are not getting an MV. We're not getting a meaningful vote. <laughs> it makes you sound like LVs, you know, luncheon vouchers. <laughs> yeah. MV. 
We're not even getting one. No, we're not even no. getting an MV. Mm. Um, in fact, uh, Ross loves an acronym so much. When he hears one for the first time, he just explodes. He wins Explosion OTW. Now, I know that you're a fan of acronyms, so I'm going to give you a new one. SBP, uh, the Spoiled Brat Party, which is what we're calling the uh, CIG, right? That's like he ripped his trousers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't think he likes them that much. No. Uh, um, over now to JHB's NNB. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Maloney was a guest on the show, yes. and her postman wins the best timing award. I disagree with that. It does. I mean, there, it does, it does deteriorate a little bit, but maybe not as much as it should. <laughs> I love a barking dog. <laughs> yeah, we love it. Really it really winds me up. <laughs> um, one more for you, Mike. Uh, you win the Nobody Asked Award. Mm. We're also going to get some advice from, of course, the money magpie, Jasmine Bertels. Jasmine, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Hello, hi. I'm very well uh, indeed, Jasmine. Thank you very much uh, for coming on the show. No one asked. I know. <laughs> Sometimes you do that as well, you know. So you think people have said, how are you? But in fact, they haven't. Um, she should have. Maybe it was my way of saying you should have asked how I am. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a passive. Aggression. I was once taught when I first went into radio, you should never ask people how they are. Really? On the radio, no. Why not? Well, because you don't really care. One and mm. two, you, they might give you a funny answer. That's true. You know when you ask someone how they are and then they tell you actually I'm not very well and they start regaling you with what's wrong and oh, you yeah. go actually I don't care. <laughs> yeah, we don't, don't want bother telling me. <laughs> no. Um, uh, well, finally, uh, we've spoken about Project Fear earlier on the mm. show with Andre Walker. Um, I am surprised that neither of you mentioned the biggest proponent of uh, Project Fear. That is, of course, TR's PE, uh, RK, Ross Kempstall. lost me now. Ross Kempstall. <laughs> uh, he uh, really aimed his scaremongering over a no-deal Brexit at the middle class this week, suggesting that they may miss out on some of their favourite food. Now, the two things you really need to know about on Wednesday, the first is the cooper Letwin amendments. That's uh, a joint amendment from the senior Labour MP, Yvette Cooper, very prominent campaigner against the danger of no veal. No veal. No veal. <laughs> See, that's what I'm against, is the no veal Brexit, because I'm a fan of veal, as yeah. much as people give me a hard time. You know, I'm, I'm, I may cook some this weekend. Well, <laughs> nice. Uh, good, good knowledge. <laughs> uh, well, that's it for the Perriers. Is that it? Uh, that... It seems unusually short this week. No, is it? It seems like no, it is. No, that's it. It just flew by. I mean, we've been uh, talking in between quite a lot, and it's still not reached to 40 yet. Well, what do you want me to do? Just carry on talking until... Uh... You do work in radio, Con. <laughs> yeah, but... What do you I, want me to do? Just I'm, carry on talking? I'm not... <laughs> Speech radio? I'm not on air for a reason. That's true. Uh, yeah. um, that is it. Get right, lost. Ready? It's 40 now, yeah? Is that it? Yeah, that's it for the Perry Awards. There'll be more next week. <laughs> the Perry Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 